ANISA, the European Union Agency for Network and Information Security, has issued a new report, Good Practices for Securely Deploying Governmental Clouds. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and to discuss the study, I'm pleased to be joined by one of its authors, Dimitra Deviri. Welcome, Dimitra. Hi, Eric. Thank you very much for the invitation. Well, first off, why don't you take a few moments to tell us about the main points the report makes. This is basically the second attempt of covering governmental clouds. The first one was on, in 2010 with the report on security and resilience for governmental clouds. In this report, now what we aim on doing is showing which are the conditions, which is the status of cloud computing uptake in Europe by the public sector. We categorize basically different implementation models and in the end we show best practice scenarios, we analyze them and we come up with 10 recommendations for securely deploying a governmental clouds. This report is still uh, in the beginning, let's say, what we are, our study and what we aim on doing on uh, governmental clouds. And this can be described as one of the first steps. One of the more interesting points I found in the study is that member states can't agree on the concept of what is a government cloud. Why so? And where's the disagreement? We interviewed 23 different experts from 23 different countries. So you can understand that we got about 23 different definitions of what is governmental cloud. This is basically because of the different security and privacy requirements, the different security levels, the different opinions based on these requirements for each governmental agency, the different deployment models, if it's going to be a multi-tenancy model, a single tenancy, public, private cloud, community cloud, different approaches in each country. So you can understand that we had to draw into a conclusion from 23 different opinions. The specific difference is basically on the deployment models, on how the data are processed, if, on where the data is located. It's going to be in country or outside the country borders and where the apps are going to be functioning. Are they inside or outside the cloud? In this way, you see that our definition uh, comprises of different characteristics. We talk about the usage, we talk about the owners, we talk about the business model, and also the compliance with national or international law. We tried to cover as much as we could in this definition. Was there a certain commonality among the governments in the way they use the cloud? The commonality would be on the privacy aspects. So cloud implemented by public sector has to have very high security requirements that should be met. And the same applies for privacy aspects. So data protection, compliance with national and European law. These were the, the commonalities across all, mem all member states or countries interviewed. So in other words, when they would have a contract with a cloud provider to make sure that privacy standards were being met uh, based on uh, European and their national laws. Yeah, this is what they try to achieve. It's not so widely known at this point that public sector would be able to negotiate the contractual terms, but privacy and security aspects are always there and they don't accept any changes from the providers. Let's talk about the contract. What influence do governments have in helping shape how the cloud provider provides the services through uh, service level agreements or other kinds of uh, contracts? 
Governments are really new into negotiating terms and clauses for cloud computing. However, providers are also aware of, uh, of the situation. I think that we are reaching the point where governments are getting more power and can influence more contracts and service level agreements. Generally, I would say that in, in, in this study, we didn't cover it so much in depth the contracts and the SLAs, but we saw that when it was a case of provider from my industry, because in some cases there was a private cloud and the infrastructure was given via the, the, the governmental authority. So in the case where we need to have a, an SLA or a contract, the governmental authorities were there and they were pretty stable and pretty strict to what their security requirements were to, in order to, to deploy the services. One of the recommendations was that member states and cloud providers should foster the development of a framework to mitigate the loss of control issue. What's meant by loss and control and how is it mitigated? When we say loss of control, we basically talk about something wider than loss of governance. Loss of control issue is not only about technologies, but also about awareness, about the transparency, about the compliance with the regulation, about the monitoring the, the contractual clauses agreement. I could give you an example. So if we know that all the data, when I am the, the customer and I sign a contract, I know that all the data still remain under my jurisdiction. I am the owner of the data. However, in some cases, the lack of transparency makes it difficult to know exactly what's going on with my data at every point. In some cases, for example, mitigation in when there is a bankruptcy from the provider side, this is what we call the loss of control problem. It's to mitigate loss of control or loss of governance, let's say. Our recommendation, which is, has a list of three, let's say, mitigation actions, which is not exclusive at all, exhaustive at all, is a definition of a monitoring framework for governmental cloud public service layers. So that means that the governmental agency will be able to monitor at all times what is happening with their services, what is happening with their data. They would have the proper view of the system depending on the service level used to implement the services in their department. Also, we would like to support the definition of standard procedures for data handling. That means to define which are the policies to access to process data and applications from different uh, service levels. And also, we suggest the definition of standard procedures for data and service mitigation migration. So meaning that standard procedures should define the process when we want to migrate services. So if something happens, the governmental authority should know which would be the, the next step. The idea of being aware of everything, I guess, uh, when perhaps a provider goes bankrupt is so crucial. And I, I think that's one of the concerns that really hasn't yet surfaced in the entire cloud environment yet, but something that could cause problems for not just governments, but for private industries as well as we go into the future. But you can, you can imagine that for a, a governmental body that is not so experienced, let's say, now getting into the cloud computing phase, this would be a, a, even more of a problem, also because of, of the nature of the data. The idea of having cloud in the public sector means that the services also, can also be available to the citizens. If there is a loss of availability, a loss of integrity, that means that will affect also the society. What are lessons learned? from European governments regarding cloud security and privacy, especially from the early adopters? 
even though they are early adopters, security and privacy requirements were there from the very, very beginning when they decided that they wanted to go cloud. All the requirements were very, very detailed in implementation phase, in the contractual phase in the beginning and afterwards in the implementation phase of cloud computing services. I would say in most cases, the security level is more important than the privacy level. Why so? <laughs> because you will see that in, in, in the early adopters, the data that are processed, at least at this point, are not sensitive data. I wouldn't say that they are not important, but I would say a privacy breach have less impact than a, an availability incident that would cause citizens not to have a service at all. However, data protection and data location is always covered and is always in the top 10 requirements. It's covered by law and there is a need, there is a special bullet in the contract. The contracts that uh, complies with national law has to be agreed. So if the data center is in the same country or if it's not in the same country, compliance with international laws like safe harbor laws should be also met. Do most European countries use uh, data services from their own countries or do they use it from other European countries or do they go outside Europe? Since we are in a very beginners, let's say, level, my general opinion of that is that now they use their national providers. I am country X, I will use a provider from my country. The level of trustworthiness is uh, higher in this case. However, now that the European Union has initiated and is implementing the European cloud strategy, and now that security and privacy in the cloud is a very, very important aspect, I think that this will change. Countries, adjacent countries, neighbors will start trusting each other and providers from different countries will start deploying services in other countries, always meeting the security and privacy requirements. But these will be other European countries. Yes, I think, yeah. We are not, we haven't reached the level to go outside of Europe yet. Are, are the revelations such as what's going on with the National Security Agency in the United States would make it a kind of uh, suspect of using, say, American companies? Uh, a, a difficult answer. What I could say is that at this point, due to the NSA facts, European countries are, are less eager of going into U.S. providers. They also want to support cloud computing uptake in Europe, cloud providers, European cloud providers. I think this is where we are now. I can understand that answer. <laughs> well, thanks, Dimitra. Thank you very much as well. I've been speaking with Dimitra Leviri of Inisa for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.